This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. This is episode zero of Worth Recovery, Women and Addiction. My name is Amy. I'm a recovering sex addict. I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012, and I'm incredibly excited, super nervous, but also incredibly excited to begin this this journey today. I'm kind of a jumble of emotions over here, but mostly really, really excited. Um, I wanted to take this episode and dedicate it to kind of the why behind Worth Recovery. Why, why am I doing this? So I'd like to share with you some of my story to help kind of explain that. My personal recovery journey started really in 2008 when I relocated from California to Seattle, Washington. I decided that this was going to be it. This big move to a new state was going to be when I finally changed my life, when I finally did all the things that I wanted to do, and when I finally gave up all of these quote-unquote bad habits I had surrounding my sexual behavior. At this time in my life, I wouldn't have called what I was doing an addiction. It was, you know, just a few behaviors that were causing some very minor problems in my life. You know how it goes, right? Definitely was not an addiction. Prior to this move, um, I would say my typical acting out day would include multiple phone sex partners at various times throughout the day, nearly continuous text or chat conversations of a sexual nature, Hours of fantasy, hours of fantasy, some sexual and some not. Hours of writing and responding to online personal ads, legit websites, but also things like Craigslist and other fetish sites. Um, And I would usually end the day with some type of physical encounter, usually with one of the men from the ads I'd been writing or reading. How I ever had time to do all of that and work is totally beyond me. But somehow, I got all of that in and maintained a successful full-time career. The duality in my life was very significant. I considered myself a spiritual and religious person. I attended religious services on a weekly basis, also volunteering my time to work with the women of my church. Um, I held significant responsibility and was supposed to be an example of spirituality and connection with God. I would show up on Sunday mornings after acting out Saturday night, flip the switch in my brain, teaching about sexual purity, honesty, and connection to our higher power. Wow. Just thinking about that makes me embarrassed. Not all days of my life were like that, of course, and it wasn't all the time. My life hadn't always looked like that, and there had been periods of time where it stopped some, sometimes all, of these behaviors. But here I was making this move at 31, and I was desperate for change. I was desperate to figure things out in my life and make a really, really significant transformation. That's what I was hoping for. That's what I really, really wanted. I arrived in Seattle really knowing only my two sisters. Though I fell back into some of my old habits, things were definitely different. The frequency and intensity of my acting out definitely decreased. But I found some other escape behaviors to deal with the internal emotions I was not addressing. (laughs) 
because even though I had stopped acting out physically, I hadn't stopped acting out emotionally. Um, food, resentment, online gaming and communities, work, all became serious escapes for me. I would say probably even reading. Um, there were a lot of things that I used to kind of escape my real life. I still had a very healthy, not healthy, it wasn't healthy at all. I still had a very significant portion of my life that I lived in fantasy. And also, one of the biggest ways that I continued to act out was through anger. I was angry all the time. All the time. Most days I could control it. It was just kind of this underlying rage lying right below the surface. But some days I couldn't. And some days it ended up you know, the, the smallest thing would set me off and I would lash out at people at work, at people in my life. Um, it was, like I said, it was just kind of this always underlying, just right under the surface, this rage that I had. And by far, the number one thing fueling my anger was my inability to connect with other people. Um, though I had stopped most of my acting out, a number of my serious and risky behaviors never returned, actually. But even with all of that, I couldn't date. I couldn't find ways to connect with people in a meaningful way. It didn't matter. Men, women, older, younger, peers, co-workers, people I saw on the streets, people in bookstores, anyone. It did not matter. I seemed incapable of having a conversation that I was satisfied with or a relationship that held any type of real connection. I found other just draining. I found spending time with other people just really draining and was retreating more and more into isolation. After two years, really, about two years, I would say, of unsuccessfully but trying to find some type of connection, a former long-term boyfriend. Well, let's, okay, let's be real. It wasn't really a boyfriend. He was, you know, one of my one of my continual acting out partners, let's call him, let's be real about what it is, resurfaced in my life in a very significant, very significant way. After months of emails, phone calls, flirting, and a little bit of acting out, it was just minor. We weren't seeing each other physically in person, but we were still acting out. We started talking about getting married a few more months and we scheduled a trip for him to come and visit. I thought this trip was going to be the beginning of all of my dreams coming true. And seriously, as cheesy as that sounds, I really believed with all my heart that we were going to get engaged and married and the rest of my life was going to be bliss. This is what I had always wanted in my life. A husband, a family, a life together. We talked about it every single day. Every day. We had discussed children, names, careers, houses, the whole thing. Every detail of our soon-to-be married life we went over. A week prior to the trip, he called me one afternoon and broke down crying on the phone and told me that we couldn't get married. We couldn't get married? I was super confused. What? We've been talking about this for months. He went on to explain that we couldn't get married because... He was already married and that he had been married the entire time that we had known each other. They were living together. They had two boys and were really living the life of my dreams. The house that they lived in was very similar to the one that we had talked about, all sorts of things. 
I was beyond hurt. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was upset. Those words don't even seem to come close to explain the feeling inside of my soul that day. I was raging. I was raging. Yet, I didn't really know what to do. And I didn't really know how to respond. And I didn't really know what was going on. And so, I told him to come anyway. Come anyway. We'll figure this out. Come and we'll figure it out together. We spent three days together. I think I was hoping that it wasn't true. That somehow he was lying to me or maybe that he would made it all up because he was scared or something like that. But by the final day, I was ready for him to go. Reality was setting in. He was married. I had seen the pictures. This, whatever it was, whatever it had been between us, up until this point, was now an affair. There was a family waiting on the other end of his return flight for him to come home. This was a new boundary that I had crossed. This was a new bottom for me, a new level of pain. Acting out with men while I was single was one thing that I could easily rationalize. We were both single. We were both adults. We didn't need anybody's permission. I wasn't hurting anyone. All sorts of the rationalizations that I can come up with. But I had promised myself over and over and over again that I would not break up a family. That I would not act out with married men. And yet, I had. I had spent seven years acting out with a married man. And it was more than I could handle. It was more than inside my soul that I could handle. I drove him to the airport that final day. I kissed him goodbye, promising that we would figure it out. And I drove away knowing full well I would never, ever see him again. Ever. I cried all the way home. All I could think about was trying to end the pain. Food, gaming, anger, resentment, none of it seemed like it would be enough. I knew what I wanted. I wanted to act out again, and I wanted to act out in a big way, a very big way. I started planning it in my head, but I couldn't do it. I pulled over because I was crying so hard, and something inside of me that day broke. I knew that if I continued on the path I was headed down, I would die not figuratively die, I would literally die. Something deep inside of me knew that death was where this path headed. I vowed that day I would get help and I would do whatever it took to fix this. Whatever it was, I would fix it. I got home, I crawled into bed and a few hours later, my father called me. The day before they had discovered a tumor in his brain that they suspected to be cancerous. They didn't know for sure yet, but if it was, it was stage four geoblastoma, brain cancer, and survival rates were very minimal. The anger just flowed through me again. I had so much anger towards my dad for a lot of different things, and now he was going to die. My soul spoke to me again deep inside and said, get help or he will die and your anger will kill you. I knew again it wasn't a figurative death my soul spoke of, but a literal death. Between the anger, the acting out, the pain, and the hurt, I knew I would die if I didn't get help. And so I did. I did some research and I put a name to the problem that I was experiencing. I had a sex addiction. An intimacy disorder it was called. I cried as I read the stories of others. 
relating to every single word that they were saying. It was like reading my own emotional story. The details were different, the acting out behaviors varied a little bit from time to time, but the emotional results were the same. I found a therapist, one certified to treat sex addiction, who helped me begin to understand what was going on, what I needed to do to change, what kind of support I needed, and more importantly, where to go to find that help. He recommended a 12-step community for support. That next week, I attended my first women's sex addiction meeting. For me, the fact that it was a women's meeting made it so much more accessible and so much more approachable. At these meetings, I met women who were like me. They struggled with the same or similar behaviors I did, and they were talking about it openly. They were sober, they had long-term sobriety, and they were really making it happen. These women were involved in the larger 12-step community too. They attended retreats and inner groups, and they were helping others with sex addiction. To be honest, and I am practicing rigorous honesty, it took me a while to connect with them. I was intimidated by women. I think my entire life, I had viewed women as competition. My entire life. I had a hard time at first, wanting to spend time with them even. But they were kind and they were supportive and they were patient and they offered support and acceptance. They were women I wanted to emulate and provided great examples for me. I spent more and more time with them as I progressed in recovery. I also had sponsor options. These women were connected. They knew how to get me support from other women. They knew how to help me find a sponsor and they knew the importance of sponsoring. I had multiple options for sponsors and was able to get the help I needed. They set a great example for me, helping me understand that women support women and men support men. That's how it works in recovery. That women sponsor women and men sponsor men. And that's how it works in recovery. With time came group therapy, group treatment options, all sorts of things that exposed me to more women trying to recover from sex addiction in their own lives. It was amazing. Even with all of this support though, after about six months, I still wasn't staying sober. When I reached out for help, the answer was always more meetings, 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 meetings. But let me tell you, I was freaked out about attending mixed meetings. How in the world could you talk openly about what was going on for me in front of men? Men were my problem, or at least so I thought. These women prepped me, explaining things like dressing appropriately for mixed meetings, eye contact, how to avoid hugging if I didn't want to. They helped me understand that mixed meetings are usually only mixed because I show up. Otherwise, they would just be men's meetings. I finally got the courage to go. One early Friday morning, I showed up at 7 a.m. to attend a meeting. I sat in my car and watched all the men file in and finally snuck in a few minutes late. The meeting was great, seriously, and so many things were said that I really, really needed to hear. However, it was incredibly triggering for me, and I acted out that night. Discouraged, these women helped me work through it. They encouraged me to try again and helped me put words to some of the emotions I was feeling. I tried again and again and again. Mixed meetings have become a huge source of help and strength in my recovery. Some very pivotal moments in my journey have been at mixed meetings and have come from things I've heard at mixed meetings. Overall, at this point, things were going well. 
I was finally staying sober and I was feeling like I was gaining ground. Then my life called me another direction and I relocated again, this time to Salt Lake City, Utah. Things were different here. There were no women's meetings. That was okay. I'd worked through my fear of mixed meetings. I felt comfortable attending. The first meeting I went to included 35 men and two other women besides myself. Neither of the women had been sober very long, but they were there and that made me super excited. I wanted the incredible support and fellowship I had experienced before. I was hopeful that there were other women with whom I could get to know and add to my recovery support circle. However, as I started attending more meetings, looking for more women, I was incredibly discouraged by what I was hearing. Time and time again, men were making comments like, well, women just don't stay sober, or women can't find recovery, or women never stay in the program. Well, let me tell you, if that was what I was told every time I showed up at a meeting, why would I ever come back? Why would I even try to stay sober? Why would I try to find recovery, especially at that meeting? Comments like that help no one, not even the men, I promise. I want to clarify here that not everyone in this area felt that way, nor did the comments come from everyone. I've definitely found some great support at mixed meetings, but there were enough said for the message to be effective. Their words lit a fire in me. I knew plenty of women who were in a program staying sober and finding recovery, My wonderful sponsor listened to my anger week after week for months as I gave her a detailed account of what was going on. I was determined to prove them wrong by staying sober, but more importantly, I was also determined to find ways of supporting women in recovery. That became my goal. I wanted to find a way to support other women in their journey of recovery. We started by having a women's monthly meeting at my house to fellowship and get to know each other. I admit I was surprised when six women showed up the first month. These meetings grew and women started to support each other more and more. What I desperately wanted though was a weekly women's meeting. We started with a phone meeting where women would call in each week. This has worked really well. It still happens every week on Wednesday nights. Super grateful for that. However, I remember the day that one of my sponsees said to me, We need a women's meeting that meets every week. Finally, I thought. I'd been trying to get that going, but the commitment hadn't been there. That very next week, we started a meeting that has been going on for a year now. Next, we needed to build a culture of support, sponsorship, and especially of 12-step work. I understand the value of 12-step work. We didn't have enough people to sponsor all the women coming to the program at that time, And so to help facilitate more progress and support, we started a series of retreats that we hold every six months to help us focus on 12-step work. At our first retreat, we had 11 women write and deliver their first steps. It was emotionally exhausting and exhilarating all at the same time. These retreats have been vital to the recovery, support, fellowship, and progress of the women here and of my own personal recovery. Those women will always hold a special place in my heart. Now, I'm excited to begin a new journey. This journey is worth recovery, with the mission to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I know there are many of you out there drowning in shame about your behavior and addiction, and you don't have a support circle to turn to. Maybe you get the courage one night to show up at a 12-step meeting, and more often than not, you walk into a room full of men, 
Where a man sees a room full of other people like him, a woman does not. Where a man feels the loneliness and the shame subside, a woman usually does not. More often than not, shame whispers in her ear, You are alone. You are broken. There are no other women here. See? They don't struggle with this like you do. There's something wrong with you. Turn around. Go back to being alone. I want you to know, first, that that is a lie. That is not true at all. And second, I want you to know that there are other women struggling and recovering from sex addiction who feel the same way you do. I want you to know that we think about you, we pray for you, and we want to support you. I feel this way and I know others do as well. I started Worth Recovery to add a women's voice to sex addiction and to provide hope for women in recovery. My life now is drastically different than it was when I started this journey. I have friends, like real friends, like real people with whom I am authentic and honest with, people that love and care about me and people whom I love and care about. I've rebuilt family relationships to healthy places. In fact, I would say this last Christmas was one of the best family days I have ever experienced in my life. My father passed away four years ago, and I had the blessing of speaking at his funeral. Because of the work I had done prior to his passing, I can reflect and remember his life and our time together with joy, at least most of the time. Granted, I'm not perfect. I've also gained a new relationship with my higher power that provides a constant source of connection, love, and support for me. Now, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect by any means. I make mistakes, plenty of them, all of the time. I still deal with triggers and things that set me off sometimes. I don't always respond the way I would like to. I'm scared to death to start dating. I'm an addict, just like you, trying to be better every day. I'm not the poster child for recovery, nor do I hold my life or my recovery up as the standard. What I want to do is provide a rally point, a place where we as women can come together to learn from each other, support each other, and love each other. And that is my goal with Worth Recovery. This 25-minute podcast will air twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. We will talk about all things addiction and recovery. Please know that I am not a therapist, though I attend therapy weekly. Also, I'm not affiliated with any 12-step or religious organizations, though I also attend both weekly. My purpose is to share my experience, strength, and hope in a way accessible to all women working to recover from sex addiction. This podcast is just one of many opportunities I hope to provide for women to build connection and hope for recovery. You can check out this podcast as well as all the other opportunities that we have going on at worthrecovery.com. We're just getting started, but I know we are going to accomplish big things. Really, really, really big things. And you are an integral part of that. Get on the website, join the mailing list, and share your story. I want you to know that you are amazing and so very loved. Okay, until next time, have a great day. Amy.